It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times, Euro 2020. The big dogs have entered the fray. France cruised to victory over an out-of-ideas Germany. Portugal leave it late for a huge three points and Wales prepare for a huge game here in Baku. We'll look ahead to that as well as examining exactly what's going on with VAR, the dreaded nonetheless. This is the game Euro 2020. I'm Hugh Wizencroft. This is episode five of our daily Euro 20 podcast. If you're enjoying them, make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now for all the best of what's going on across the continent. If you sign up today, uh, you can get it for less than one pound per day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to start your free trial. Uh, to help me through today's action, um, as the first set of group games, of course, come to a close, Alison Rudd, Gregor Robertson, and a man who I've only just realised today very closely resembles Timo Werner, Tom Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> first time you've heard it, Tom? Uh, yeah, it is actually, yeah. yeah. Um, I and I don't quite know how to respond to it. Um, Tom Roddy, thanks. Tom Roddy, get on side now. <laughs> You're in Amsterdam, I'm in Baku. How are you enjoying it, Tom? Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm here with the... Uh, here with, the Euros, um, the man with the best name in the Euros, Denzel Dumfries. What a what a player he's turned out to be, and, and what a what a story he's got. But um, absolutely incredible name. Uh, but no, it's all it's all good here. Good, good. I'm glad. Let's get to it. The big game of the day, of course, the one everyone was waiting for. France won Germany nil, possibly a scoreline that flattened the German sheer class from France, I thought, start to finish. It looked like Germany hadn't even shown up with a plan. I didn't see any real pattern of play from them. Very underwhelming, Alison. Uh, but, uh-huh. but the good news... The good news, before we get to Germany, let's assess France. The good news is they didn't even need to get out of third gear tonight, the world champions. Oh, you're so result-oriented, Hugh, are you not? <laughs> it's going to be fractious today. I can feel it. I can feel it. That was performance-oriented. <laughs> France were brilliant. Germany were awful. They, uh, they got lucky because it was an own goal. They made some bad decisions up front. I don't think that was a, the perfect performance. What was absolutely impressive about France, I think, is that... And I followed them a lot at the World Cup. So I saw them evolve through the tournament. And it does look almost like they've not, they've, 
they sort of had a few weeks rest and they're back on the merry-go-round and better. But they they don't play. They've got um, star names through the team, but they play like a team that has not no stars at all. So they do that. Um, I kept I was sitting there thinking, who do they look like? And I decided they look like a cross between Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Wigan Athletic. They buzz. <laughs> they buzz around the ball. They buzz. They buzz. They buzz. They when you when you're in possession against them, it doesn't matter how famous or how expensive the player. They just act like they've got nothing in their arsenal at all other than uh, intense passion and ability to be athletic. So they suffocated Germany um, almost throughout. And, and that lack of ego, that commitment to the, the whole, Borg-like in Star Trek terms, was impressive. Uh, they've gone to a new level in that takeaway the ego principle which is what is going to make them incredibly hard to break down. But I don't, I don't think going forward they do as much as they could do. It was strange, really. There wasn't enough of Mbappe's pace. There wasn't enough of the creativity. It seemed to be solely focused on, oh, we've taken a relatively early lead. Let's just, let's just make sure Germany get a bit depressed. Why not just do what you're good at? Let's be perfectly honest here, Alison. I mean, it could have easily been on another day a 3 0 win. Gregor, what do you think? It could easily on another day have been a 1 1 and the group of death looking very peculiar. No, I, I don't agree. I think France were very comfortable. They let Germany have the ball. Oh, they weren't like you cannot say they were comfortable, Hugh, because they work so hard. When, where, where were the clear cut goal scoring opportunities? They... Name a good chance that Germany had. That's because I've just explained they suffocate and they suffocate, but they, at the expense of being creative. Most of most of possession was Germany. I can agree. You can, you're watching them thinking, yeah, they're a hell of an efficient team. But you know the the stars they have in that team. You think could could they be slightly more taking it to Germany a little bit more? And they were, you know. Alison's right. They're just they're a very very efficient team. I mean, this is not anything new. We've seen this. That's how they've, that's how they've had success in in the last competitions. The and they've always got Mbappe's pace in, on the break. That's you know they've always got that. They've always got someone with a bit of gold dust and magic in their boots, like Griezmann or Pogba. They switch a play, or so, you know, just got they've got that bit of star quality, and they've got the kind of you know they're very obdurate. Um, but I think you're being harsh in Germany personally. After the way we've seen them come into this competition, you know, Joachim Lowe's on his way out. He's overstayed his welcome actually. Bringing back uh, Muller and you know. I remember saying Hummels, gonna, <laughs> Hummels is going to have a nightmare. I, th- <laughs> I, I thought Germany were all right. I thought they, no, they... They knocked it around to no real effect. No, but they didn't just knock it around. They knocked it around with some pace and purpose. The France were very hard to break down. And I think they, they don't have a focal point. They, you know, the way that they lined up up front, you, you, <laughs> Nabry, Havertz, Muller, don't, you know, they, they, don't, they don't really have a striker on the pitch. Per se, so I didn't. I don't think they really had. They they weren't really in the game. They didn't have an effect on the game. So that has got to be a worry, a concern for them. But as I say, France were very, very solid, and I think you're being a little bit harsh on Germany personally. I still think they've got a chance. I, I thought France put in the performance of the first set of, of group matches. What did you think, Tom? Yeah, I I agree, but I I still I still agree in that they. I don't think they really got out of um, third gear, second gear, third gear. Um, I mean, the, the, comparing the two teams, when you actually compare the two teams, France feel like, I mean, they almost feel like 
if you, if you they're, they're a club team and they've bought these players because they just work and fit so well together. Um, and in comparison, Germany did, they sort of lacked that balance. They didn't feel complete. Um, I, I, I think Gregor's right. The fact that they're missing, they were missing a striker up front and, and that was what they needed. That was really what they needed. But, um, with, with France, they, they had a, a vision that we all expected to see. And I mean, so many players in that team are just a, a pleasure to watch and none more so than Kylian Mbappe. I mean, it feels like a glitch in the in the on the TV when you're watching at home when he started racing on Max Hummels or a cheat code of some sort to to catch him up. It, it, it's just absolutely. He did well, you know. Yeah, you know, everyone oh said God, you, yeah. first. Oh my God, the poor guy, the poor guy, and then you know, the, the, just to get a kind of a stud on the ball, Bad he touched. did brilliantly. Bad touch. From it was. Mbappe. It wasn't. It was. He cut across him, but he didn't give it quite enough. It wasn't quite enough pace mm. on the touch. Mm. If it had just been another yard on that ball, almost out the game. But almost <laughs> did well to stick in the, into that. God Almighty! Imagine chasing him. How can you say you don't think, Tom, that France didn't get out of third gear? They they put in a fifth yeah. gear shift in defence. Griezmann hit him back and thrown him flying into tackles. You know that's that is the thing you have to yeah you, you have to give them the credit in that you know we we'll say they've got this the the best lineup of you know best array of talent of stars in in the competition but they are putting in a shift every single one of them and not you know not in a way of kind of dominating possession and playing you know <laughs> sexy soccer they a lot of the time are behind the ball and working very very hard to to hold on to a lead so you know they deserve credit for that but as i say you're watching it sometimes thinking they've got this galaxy of stars here and they really they're playing football sometimes it's like akin to Atletico Madrid what I mean is that I don't think they they played that I've seen France play better I've seen them more um, I thought they could have damaged Germany far more than they actually did that's what I mean I think I I, I was I was quite surprised with um, you know, I wouldn't describe Germany as poor but I expected I thought that especially the first half an hour or so it was so one-sided and I thought they were they were just they were missing something slightly in the final third that that there were a few um misplaced passes Kante Griezmann Mbappe if they come off then I think it would have been it would have been over in the first half and with it and 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 it was even more one-sided than I was expecting it to be but I thought Germany grew into the game. I'm going to come to Germany's performance in a while in a little bit more detail, but I think we need to praise a couple of France players, maybe that one that does maybe get the recognition of late, another that doesn't. Paul Pogba, I wanted to talk about him. So many people saying, are we finally going to praise him? You know, every time he gets his haircut or does something that maybe the pundits don't agree with, then he's constantly criticised. Alison, what did you make of his performance tonight? Well, he pl- he's a different player for France, isn't he? Deschamps must say, you either do what I want you to do or I'm not interested in you. And he's decided, well, I want to be in this trophy winning team. So I'm going to play to what the manager wants and uh, just go for it. But, but while being incredibly disciplined, he managed to look relaxed, talented and full of effort, which you just don't see those three things from him at the same time with United. Well, I tend to agree with you. What do you think, Gregor? Yeah, no, I, I think that's 
that is broadly speaking true. You know, he's playing alongside Kante, and Kante can make uh, whoever, whoever plays beside Kante has the best midfield job in in football, really, because the amount of work that guy does is just incredible. You know, we, it's not new again, but he's just seen him covering so much, so much ground and popping up, and you know, just reading two one two steps ahead. Just it must be a joy to play with. But you know, but. It, James Gearbrand wrote a really good piece actually just before the Euros about Pogba and his kind of journey and what makes him, why he's kind of, he feels, I think it's about feeling the love and feeling kind of he's among a, a bit of a band of brothers. And almost like, I think he feels that he wants to be, wants to be a bit of a leader in the group, a, le- a leader in that team and takes it upon himself to kind of, to, to be that. And there's no doubt his form for France is, is completely different. And he was very good today, kind of bestriding that midfield I'm still unconv- I'm still to decide whether he meant that pass or not because it looked like a sort of <laughs> outside of the foot to to Kylian Mbappe and Mbappe almost looked like that as well. He's kind of looked like he's about to throw his arms off and then, oh hang on a minute there might be another chance here. But yes, certainly Pogba for France is a different player. I think there's something about the quality around him as well. The fact that you know at, at United in the seasons he's been there. They haven't really been the team you've expected to to win the title, to to go on and win cups and trophies. Whereas you know, France arrive at this tournament and they are heavy, heavy favourites, and there's a there's a reason for that. And I think he clearly believes that 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 they are too, and 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 knows the talent he has around him. And um, you took the words right out of my mouth, Gregor, with uh, N'Golo Kante. I mean, they just there's a beautiful balance there where they just seem to to they look so comfortable together, but complement each other so much as well. Do we see any weaknesses in the France team? First of all, if I could pick anything, I think Hugo Lloris could. Yeah, the goalkeeper. Hugo Lloris, yeah, he's the only one. I still think Kimpembe is slightly rash sometimes. And he could, he could have a record on, but really, it's probably because he trains with Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, be, that, that must be fun. Jesus, I, I didn't see many weaknesses. I saw them hold Germany, and yeah, okay, I've criticised them, but it's still Germany with many, many good players. They, they held them at arm's length, as far as I, as I was concerned. I thought it was an excellent performance, you know, especially defensively. But I, but I do think that Germany's approach helped France because. Why would you allow them to play on the counter attack when you know they've got Kylian Mbappe, you know, and that's the way that they like to play, win the ball back and try and break? They, they like I say, they could have conceded another couple of goals off it. Um, Gregor, what what did you make of Germany's tactical setup and approach? As I say, I thought they were better than I thought they were going to be, having seen the kind of the, the way that the way that they've come into the competition. As I say, up front was their biggest issue in that. They, they really didn't have a focal point and it looked like, you know, they've, they're playing as 3-4-3 now and it looks like they're they're trying to do something new. It's like a change in direction, although it's really the end of an era. It looks a little bit muddled, that's what I'm trying to say. And it's not... Mm. But still, they have a lot of good players. They have Gundogan and Cruz and Kimmich right back. He was, he was excellent mm. as well. You know, yeah. they, they, have, they have some real talent and... I still think they've got they've got a chance in in uh, of getting out of this group and, and progressing. I think with the, with the quality of players, and Sani to come on and Werner to come on, you know they have real quality. It just looks a little bit muddled, and I think probably you know that's a culmination of Joachim Lowe's kind of tenure coming to an end, and he looks like he's trying to do something something different with largely the same group of players. For me, it was a lot of good players, 
just playing football. It just did, I just didn't see their plan at all. I thought they're great at keeping the ball. So many great midfielders. They're knocking it about. When it f- gets down to that final third, it's like they're just they're just playing. I actually thought it looked like a, a France defensive training exercise for about 15 minutes of that game. It, it, it looked like they could have gone for another half an hour. Germany wouldn't have scored. I, I don't know if I'm being harsh. Alison, how, how big a problem does the Germany boss, Jürgen Love have? I think he'll be clever enough to be able to actually show them back the game and look at look at ways that they can improve rather than just hold their hands up and say we can't do any better. Uh, I'd be interested in what you all thought about Kai Havertz, who I thought his movement was good. But I, I, from that slightly odd noise, I suspect... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just sort of feel like he needs to grow into the tournament the way he's had sort of grown into the Premier League. With Timo Werner on the bench, with Leroy Sane on the bench, it was sort of a choice between three players who haven't had the greatest seasons, in my opinion. And I think Kai Havertz was there for maybe the creative element, the chance of a spark compared to the others. But um, I think he might change it in the next game because I, I didn't see anything that made, did you, that made you feel like he has to start again? Except for those things that you mentioned. But I think the other players can add another dimension. Leroy Sane, we saw, you know, didn't get much time on the pitch, nor did Timo Werner, but they both offer something a little bit different. I would... I don't think he's got much to lose, to be perfectly honest. Maybe Havertz will start, but he could certainly tweak a couple of the players. Kimmich was brilliant, I thought, but he might go into a midfield role as well because I didn't feel like they had that strong sort of defensive midfielder. Of course, Crucian and Gundogan are brilliant as well, but I just it does feel like he's got sort of, you know, many more questions than than things answered tonight, even though I think, yeah, you're right. Okay, you've convinced me. They weren't They weren't that bad in the game. They weren't that bad. That's all I'll say about them. They weren't that bad. But I still think, I don't know, well, hold on, hold on before I carry on too much. I'm sticking with my initial prediction that they're going to be the team that has the biggest concerns and possibly, possibly don't even qualify for the knockout stages. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
well. Also in Group F, Portugal left it extremely late to beat Hungary, a flattering scoreline possibly. 3-0 in Budapest. Cristiano Ronaldo's double means he is now the highest goal scorer in European Championship history. Uh, Tom, where did Portugal's performance rank against France and Germany, do you think? I thought it was very impressive, especially in the second half. Uh, I, I just think that combination of, of Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo is is going to be devastating. I mean that that's his his second goal was was incredible. The move when you watched it back, the move oh, and the uh, and the interchange of play was stunning really and 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 their their real test is to come because we can't forget that they were playing against Hungary and a very spirited Hungary side who were we saw the benefit of the only full stadium in the competition so far I think I mean there was one point in the first half you might have seen where one of their def- uh, defenders beat Ruben Diaz to a header and he punched the air like he'd scored a goal. And that was that was their opposition um, today. So they've got they've got bigger, bigger tests to come. Um, the, the one thing though is you kind of look back at 2016 and the side that won it and you just think they've, they've only improved really. I mean Ruben Diaz for Jose Font, um, uh Bruno Fernandes has come in now and uh, Yotta and and they, they're just so much even better, I think, than they were back then. And I think they do complement each other as well. Um, I mean, we've for years we've also been waiting for kind of Renato San- Sanchez to fulfil his potential, and I thought he really benefited them actually as well when he came off the, the the bench. He was direct and brought the speed that they sort of lacked a little bit at times in the first half, but. Um, when they kicked into gear, they were really impressive. Alison, do you think Portugal showed today that they're going to cause lots of problems in Euro 2020? Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I think they um, they didn't really play anywhere as close. They were, all, they were like um, malfunctioning brilliance most of the time. Uh, Cristiano missed a sitter. Uh, Jota, Jota, most chances in the first half fell to Jota and he, he didn't make bad attempts at them but there was always an other option that he should have taken it was like they were um the opposite of france in a way they were a collective of very very you know high paid famous stars who were keen to show off um interestingly not all bowing to the cult of cristiano but prepared to express themselves and they looked like they were finding their way as a as a team um and while they did that um, Hungary, who have no stars at all, were slowly getting into the game. Um, it, you did feel they worked very hard in the first half, Hungary, and they'd be stretched and tired in the second half. Didn't work out that way. In fact, they took energy from the crowd and started to threaten. They scored; it was offside, but not by much. They were beginning, and 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 that really sapped the morale of Portugal. I mean, they left it very, very late to score, and they were, they were starting not quite to panic. I would say, but they were start, starting to look worried. They got a lucky goal because there was a deflection on the shot, and and then they just suddenly went into I don't know, hungry panic. To Portugal, suddenly looked like a glimpse of of what they could be when they're at their very best, and um, Ronaldo's in that 
bullying mood where one minute he looks like he would, you know, knock your house down with a shot and then the next minute looks like he's pirouetting through Swan Lake. He's so, so adaptable. Um, and then he starts, you know, breaking records. And if you've got a player like that in the team and you're breaking records as a team and you're the holders, why wouldn't you think you're going to stir the tournament up? So I would imagine, even though in the press conference afterwards, the manager looked like he'd just been given um, a, a sausage roll that had gone off six days ago. But he, um, <laughs> they, 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 could, they, 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 they could go all the way again, definitely. Because I don't, I don't think they've clicked yet. I mean, this is, you know, this is them not quite clicking. Mm, yeah, I tend to agree. Greg, hungry, will they feel slightly aggrieved given all the hard work and how long they stayed in the game? And do you think they could possibly take some points in this group? Oh, I mean, they, they definitely deserve credit. They held on for, what, 84 minutes? Uh, rode the luck at times, but you're going to have to do that. Um, but as you say, they, were, they worked very hard. They were pretty obdurate and, you know, worked, worked extremely hard defensively and were compact. Um, and they, you know, they were a fraction away from, from taking the lead on the break. Um, obviously, a goal, goal chopped off for offside. Um, so, but no, <laughs> I think the no is the answer. <laughs> I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the rest of the group in the, in the group of death. I think we kind of knew that from the start and, and I think we, we know even more now. Um, but Portugal, yeah, I, I agree with everyone really. It's been said, I think that they are, they are a bit like France and, well, they've probably got the second best squad on paper after France, I would say, or starting 11, certainly attacking, you know, that, that front four. Ridiculous. Jota, Fernandes, Silva, Ronaldo. Um, still got Felix, uh, Felix to come. You know, they've got some some real, real talent there. Um, and they were quite fortunate, you know, to, to get that breakthrough, as Alison said, from a, a deflection. So I think there's more to come from them. I think there's more to come from them and more to come from France. We'll see if there's more to come from Germany, but I still think Germany will, um, will, will beat Hungary quite easily. I don't know. I'm just thinking about that hungry Germany match. You never know. And anyway, we'll see what happens uh, uh, in the group of death. Plenty more big, big games to come, of course. But I wanted to talk about the officiating um, because so many people seem to be absolutely delighted with the officiating so far. Over the moon. What's the point in VAR if nobody uses it? Robin Gosens almost took Benjamin Pavard's head off today. There was no sort of head injury assessment. He never went off due to concussion. No one, he just played on. That's two separate issues. No, it's not. He came in six foot high and he need a player in the head. What's VAR for if it's not going to tell the referee to at least have a look at a player being need in the head by a flying wing back? Come on, Gregor. We had this argument when uh, Tarkovsky did a kind of clearance with, not, with no knowledge of a player coming towards him and kicked, who was it, kicked in the head? So against Newcastle, I forget. Mm. Um, we had the same discussion. I don't think, you know, that he, Peter Walter came on and said you could argue it was reckless. He was, the ball, when the ball's coming in that If you're using that, Peter Walton pace, to justify your that, argument, <laughs> you've, got, you've already gone down the wrong road, Gregor. Is he not, is he not part of the Times family? Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> but, he, you know, the ball came in, it comes in at such a pace, it's a, a height that kind of, as you the attacking player, you're going to throw yourself at it, and you don't you don't really care which part of your body you're throwing at it. You want to get something on the ball behind. You want to get as much of you behind the ball as you can. And Pavard had a very brave header, and yes, he caught him. I think you know if you're, it could just about have been a booking, but I don't think there's anywhere there's any discussion about it being a red card. Well, and that's, that's, that's by the by. Altogether, separate why altogether, separate altogether, because it wasn't worth checking. 
You, you don't think that was worth checking? No, not at all. Not at all. And if we're going to talk about offici- the, the officials, it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant that we've not had any. We've not had to have this conversation really until a weekend. And saying like VAR is not VAR is not a kind of continual conversational point. It's not. It's not ruining games. It's not slowing games. We even discussed before, just before I'm coming on. I like the fact that we're not seeing the lines for offsides. I don't want to see it. This just is the height the, of corruption. Just, just so get the know. decision. Get the decision and come back and show us later when we've got time. Just. Just we don't. I don't really see working through it. Just get the decision quick, and to sit, tell us what it is, and let's get on with the game. And we'll come back and anal- we'll analyse it later. And we'll, you know, we've got to hope they've they've got the, they've got decent <laughs> officials working working in the truck. <laughs> and they seem to they seem to. I think they've I think they've got it down. They've got it down. We've you know been hypercritical of of our this season, and rightly so. You know, it's been used when it has to, had to have been used so far in this competition. I think it's been excellent. I'm with Gregor on the Pavard situation. I didn't think there was a there was an issue there for, for that VAR needed to get involved in. If there was one, I would have been interested to have seen what replays would have thought of the Rudiger um, Rudiger's mouth coming close to Pogba's shoulder and and back. What they would have made of made of that? That was probably more of a. I mean, you can say it looked like he bit him, Tom. He's not going to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who hasn't seen it's like, hold on a minute, his mouth coming close to his shoulder and back. Sounds more yeah, romantic than anything else. Sorry, it's, it's midnight here. It was very odd. I mean, he's a we, he's an odd character, Rudiger. He's kind of, he's a bit manic on the pitch and I think he kind of, a bit of a man possessed sometimes. But I get, you know, yeah, he was, he was treading a fine line there. But I, again, I wouldn't say that had to be looked at personally. But you're missing the point, Hugh. You're missing the point, Hugh. The point is that what? Well, let's okay. Forget whether we like VAR or not. If, you, if you're going to have it there, what it should be doing is monitoring the game to avoid gross miscarriages of justice. So there is still communication between the people in the booth and the man on the pitch. When what they're doing is they're clearly saying to him, "It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. You've not missed something significant." You don't want to have to stop every single thing that might or might not be significant. Then you get down to it being pernickety and um, decisions being made that bear no relation to the the game or the mood of the game or what people worry about. You want, What you want at the end of it is for people like Gregor to be going, oh, that was brilliant. I didn't feel robbed. I didn't feel my emotions were torn to shreds for no reason. The games have flowed. And no one's gone around thinking, injustice, injustice, if only someone had been able to look at that on a monitor. It hasn't been like that. It's been, it's just flowed more or less the way you'd want it to if you have to have VAR, which is there's a dialogue we don't need to hear because the man in the middle has the authority and he's only going to be interrupted if he's missed something that's going to make everybody turn off the telly and boo. I'm not even sure about the accuracy of the lines. I'm not even sure. I, I, I think at some point we'll be calling blue murder and saying corruption's going on because it oh. just it's it all seems to be in the hands of UEFA. Yes, I said it. There's something going on here with this officiating. They, they, why would they be so overly officious in every other mode of football, but not? Not in the European Championship. We'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. Uh, Let's quickly look ahead to tomorrow, though. Group A is back. Italy against Switzerland, the Alps derby. Turkey versus Wales, which is some sort of animal derby. Tom, uh, what do you expect from Wales? (laughs) (laughs) Animal derby. I think we'll 
we saw before the competition the debate about whether Keith Moore should be playing and as you've seen firsthand, Hugh, it was from that first game that he is he's the focal point that, that we were just talking about. Germany missing. That's what Germany need, Keith Moore. Um and so, yeah, I think I think to, to get that point as well from the first game, that they needed that. I think you saw the spirit that that, that created um, in a tournament which hasn't had the best preparations for that side. So I think that it, it, it puts them in good stead, really. What's it, what's it been like around Wales over the last couple of days? It's been really good. I spoke to Harry Wilson, spoke to Nico Williams. They might come into the starting lineup. I think Wales have to play a 3-4-3. They have to. Joe Roden and Chris Meppen were getting absolutely murdered by Braille and Bolo. And I think Burak Yilmaz, who you know had a great season in Liga and helped Lille win the title there. I think he actually had a good game against Italy. He was just really isolated. So if Turkey get more bodies around him, it's going to be an even bigger test for Roden and Mepham if they play in a back four, essentially two centre-backs. So I think maybe Ben Davis will drop into a back three. I know some people want Chris Gunter to come back into the team, but I say play with wing-backs. Now I think that will make them a lot more solid. I still think they'll have a threat going forward. Uh, I think, I actually think Wales will win, but the atmosphere is going to be basically like a Turkey home game. The Turkish president's here on, funnily enough, an aptly timed uh, official visit. So I think he'll be watching as well. So yeah, it it definitely will feel like a sense of a Turkish home game. And there there was absolutely no real talk of football ahead of that first game between Wales and Switzerland. And now there are Turkey football shirts and half and half scarves and flags gone up everywhere. And it's suddenly like, oh, there's a football match in town. So it's definitely changed in sort of the, the atmosphere around Euro 2020. The Wales players, they, they say it's going to spur them on. I think one of the good things is there it's like a running track around the pitch in the back of Olympic Stadium. So they will still be about 25 metres away from the crowd, which actually I think might help them. But um, I, I think it will be a tough game, but I really believe Wales can win and will win. I think they've got enough. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I just don't know how it will go. One thing you've got to say is you, would, you can't see Turkey being as bad as they were in the opening game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we... We came in with quite. A, there was a bit of expectation about them, you know, perhaps a dark horse, and they were swept aside. So I think you know we, we we'd expect to see a reaction from them. Let's just say that. Um, and as you say, it's going to feel like you know. I think Rob Page said it's going to feel like a an away game, really, um, a home game for Turkey. So it'll be very interesting. And I think you know, I think Wales Wales could probably draw and still have still have half a chance, you know, because Italy mm-hmm. will be. I'd imagine Italy will be qualified and that'll be when they go down to the final game, it's going to be right down to the final game for them. Absolutely. Alison, you know, I love predictions. You get the final word today. Wales against Turkey. Go on. Okay. Just to wind you up, five all. <laughs> <laughs> Remotely serious. This is the times. Come on, Alison. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's probably going to be a very tight game with lots of, um, of that sort of jeery, whistly stuff you hear. And um, it'll be hot, even though it's evening. And I agree with you completely. No one seems to know why Robert Page changed his system. Why would you do that at the start of a tournament? Uh, he needs to go to a back three. So um, if he does that and Wales can be... I don't know. I think he wants them to go in as the sort of um, uh, the top dog of the the game. I think he wants them to have a sort of sense of superiority and um, sort of 
sort of not give not give the Turkish fans anything to cling to. There's all, I mean, I don't know if you've picked this up, but it seems to be this idea that if if Turkey start the game poorly, uh, the fans are going to turn on them. Do you think that's true? This or is this a Welsh myth to make them feel like they can do a whew, you turn on this one? But is is that likely to happen? I don't know enough about what the locals will do. The relationship can be very critical, very critical. But um, but I don't know because it's been such a long time since so many fans will have been in the stadium to see Turkey. There's probably up to thirty thousand. So I don't know if they'll all be turning on the team if they have a bad sort of first half an hour. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because they did so well last time at the Euros because they were the underdog and nobody took them seriously. And they did ride the wave of what you can do with um, good team spirit and a few classy players. So no one's, I wouldn't say teams are scared of Wales, but they're, they're you know, they're, they do look at them a bit like, oh, they're, they're going to be difficult. It's, it's a different mindset, isn't it? It's, I think it's diffi- It's one of those difficult matches to know how to pitch it. You know, should Wales go into that acting like they're rank outsiders and they just have to put it all on the line and play with as much passion as they can summon? Or do they do this, we can control the game, we're the superior team, we played better in our opening game than they did? I, it's a, a tricky one to navigate, I think. So it probably be, will, won't be 5-5 and it'll probably be quite boring, maybe. <laughs> So did we get to a prediction in the end? <laughs> it's going to be 5-5 five, five or 0-0. Nil, nil. <laughs> Speaking of Cristiano Ronaldo breaking records, Alison Rudd with one of her own. Our longest prediction, I think, for a game. But I'm very <laughs> expertly put in the end. We'll see exactly how Wells get on here in Baku. Tom Roddy in Amsterdam, Gregor Robertson and Alison Rudd in London. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the game Euro 2020. And for you, just make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now for all the best award-winning journalism from Euro 2020. If you sign up today, you can get less than one pound per day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to start your free trial. We'll see you tomorrow. 